<laughs> Did you notice the music kept playing for the countdown? Yeah, it does that. It's funny. You so I assumed it, it worked like the overlays are just like it's gone. Nope. Nope. We can play around with that, pal. Oh, for sure. How are you, confirmed shoot? I feel it's best I don't answer that question. Fair. Um, now, hold uh, on. Hold yes. on now. I didn't have anything to do with this opening. <laughs> no, you did not. I was just sitting here calmly. Um, I had something to say. Oh, yeah. I'm at like a side angle here, right? I'm at like a... You know? What? I'm on like an angle here. I've just... Oh, yeah, you are. Sorry, I was reading the chat. Does that look... How does that look? Looks fine to me. Okay, let's leave it. Um, This is going to be a special show. The Confirmed Shoot and I are here to review a show that we we remember. Right? Yeah, vaguely. Yeah. I definitely watched it. Saturday night feels like a long time ago. Shoot and I were texting during it. I got some very... Uh, vicious, aggressive messages at yes, one portion did. of the program. Very deserved, too. I believe one was go fuck yourself. Yes. Um, which was probably deserved considering who was on the screen. But in all seriousness, Warrior Wrestling 19, they 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 turned it around. The second half of that show was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Yeah, we got our money's worth. Let's not do like match for match because then we would have to bury certain people. Just, just talk broadly. What do you think the best match on the show was? God, Oracle. <laughs> Which show are we talking about again? <laughs> the main event was the best match, I think. Yeah, Briscoe's match was probably up there too. Um, Santana match was great. Yeah, Santana match was really good. So I took some notes. Folks, my dog is here. Happy to hear that. He's joining the program. He wants me to let him go outside, actually, which is not good. <laughs> Very fitting. Uh, Brian says that Warrior Wrestling 20 will feature Cross, Cage, and Pillman. Yeah, no thanks. The Bob O'Neill Memorial Show. Um, I have notes somewhere here. Sure. What's going to happen now? Is they're going to announce, like, Buddy Matthews versus... <laughs> Dante Martin, and then we're going to have to watch this damn show. <laughs> now, one thing I have got here in my notes, and this is this is important because you popped me with this. Their intro was grin length, as you described it. Yes, it was. Every image of, of a professional wrestler that was working that show appeared on the screen. <laughs> some were very cool. Some were not so cool. That's my phone. Um... Overall, how would you describe the presentation of Warrior Wrestling? Shoot. I actually didn't hate the production. Me either. Which is always an issue for me with these kind of shows. Um, I think I've talked about this before. It almost annoys me how much it bothers me. Yeah. Like, it can totally, bad production can totally take me out of a show. Like, I can't. Um, just sit there and, and watch a show that's shot badly or has bad sound or right. uh, 
overall, I thought it was pretty good. The the commentary was was there, um, mm. to to put it politely. Um, <laughs> I like that building. Building was cool, right? Yeah. It wasn't a flat building, which always helps. Sound got better as the show went on. The first match, yeah. it sounded like we was watching in a sort of shed. Um, I had often wondered, God bless him, if he, if he sees this, it's kind of paywall, so God bless for giving you my, us your money, but I'd often wondered why Rich Brennan hadn't got a gig, like a proper gig beyond MLW since he left New York, and yeah, may I got a couple of answers here. <laughs> um, him saying, I asked the Briscoes, how do I split them apart, is one of the most incredible things I've ever heard. Yes. A commentator say, seriously? Especially as Vader was sitting next to him and explained to him on multiple occasions that Jay had been the Ring of Honor World Champion. <laughs> Did you hear, uh, at one point during the main event, um, he had desired, decided that Athena was wrestling Sky Blue. Did you hear I that stopped. part? I did not. No, I yeah. zoned him out by then. Yeah. Beta just kind of powered through it and <laughs> changed yeah. the subject. It was interesting, but in all seriousness, and I, I don't think I'm talking like, even with all of those issues, there are way worse indie announcing teams that are going to make the show actively unbearable. Like, oh, the yeah. voice have said in it. I mean, at least Rich yeah. sounds like an announcer, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's whatever. Um, let's start with that main event. I agree it's the, it's the match of the night, and it's got relative buzz. Nothing crazy. Everyone that watched it seemed to like it, but it hasn't, like, blown up or anything. For me as a fan, this was really pretty fucking cool because you know that was a weird run she had in WWE it wasn't a terrible run she had a nice NXT stint obviously Athena here Ember Moon but there was like her whole perception of her change the narratives around her change some fair some unfair and just looking at how much fun she appeared to be having man like she just looks so at ease you know and in recent years she's looked anything but at ease she's looked like someone that was trying desperately to remember what character moments and set pieces she had to remember. And um, that was the theme of the match, I thought. It was two great wrestlers having fun and just fucking wrestling, right, and not worrying about all the other shit that comes with TV wrestling. Um, did you get that vibe too, Shoot? Absolutely, yeah. That was uh, I was actually kind of blown away um, by her. Mm. I've seen, I mean, I saw her a couple times before she went to WWE, but, right. like, the difference in like her presentation and confidence level and like, yeah, she just looked like she was having fun. And then that was her first match in four months and she went 30 minutes. Um, She didn't really struggle or anything. There was one, it's not even a criticism, but like there was one point in the match where like you could tell she was breathing heavy and like, and Thunder Rosa just yeah. it looked like she'd barely broken a sweat. That mm-hmm. woman is insane. That's more of a compliment to Thunder Rosa than any kind yeah. of knock on Athena. Like she's got yeah, I thought the match was great. Like I it wasn't like a you know five star classic or anything, but it was very well done. And she for her first match in four months is, is honestly kind of insane. Yeah. Especially because it's one thing to say like four months, right? But hang on a second. Yeah, four months. But more than that, and this is the part that people forget, is when she was in WWE, you know, it's five-minute TV match. I think she had one longer match on TV with maybe Dakota Kai. 
tag matches. I was going to say, like, she's doing a lot of tag stuff, I think. So it's just a different thing. And um, just watching her, like, it, you know what it gave me the vibes of, shoot? And this will pop you, and I think you'll know where I'm going with this. I know it's cliche, but this is really what I got. It felt like a, a fucking old-school NWA title match. And those matches were seldom five-star classes because the fault wasn't there to have that. It was just two great wrestlers wrestling. You, I saw Athena talking on quite a bit and, like, I'm not an expert. I don't know. But it really felt like they just went out there and fucking did dance and wrestled, man. Yeah. Like, it, it, it felt like they were going on feel and, like, you know, people in the chat mentioned the injury spot, which, like, she got them totally with that. 100% she got those people with that injury spot. She got people on my timeline with that spot. Yeah, I know. Um, it just felt like, you know, we need we have 30 minutes to fill. And there wasn't – I could be misremembering because I've only seen it once, and I will rewatch it at some point. But it wasn't like there was these big sequences that you'd gif, right, or, like, things that clearly thought, oh, this, this, do this spot here, this – and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. That's, you know, what would make it a five-star whatever. But there wasn't like these huge epic near falls. It was just like, okay, let's do this here. <laughs> she had a hold at one point. Athena said something. And it was like, we'll do his. You know, they just pieced together this match. And it was like a nice pace. It didn't feel like they went out of their reach at all. Like it was the most restrained four-star match I've seen in some yeah. time. It was easy for them almost. And I agree with you. You could see Athena was from the pace more than Thunder Rosa. But like 30 minutes, man. That's no joke. That's a serious yeah. match, right? She still wasn't. It's not like she was struggling or anything. It's just right. more of a testament to Thunder Rosa's. And the commentary actually brought it up at one point. And that's what made me start to notice it. Like, she doesn't even look tired. <laughs> like, she's a machine, man. Um, yeah, I don't know. This was really good. Um, raised my. It raises my hopes and expectations for what Athena can do going forward. Um, you know, I don't, obviously it's no secret. I watch AEW. That's the main thing I watch no. before I was like, yeah, it'd be cool to have her, but I wasn't like, mm -hmm. if it didn't happen, it wouldn't be a big deal. Now I feel like it needs to happen. Like it's going to be a mistake if they don't, unless she doesn't want to do it. Obviously that's a different thing, but right. um, yeah, it, I want to see her on that stage now. This version of her where she's not playing this character they created. and mm. or Well, we can't say that. She may have had a hand in that, too. I don't want I just, to. I always had that take. I've said it to you before, man. Like, I really think they got lost, and this is both her and creative, in, like, everyone wanted it to be this, like, really mythic, you know, mysterious character. It's like, man, I think you just let her be. Yeah, her you know, character and, never really made sense. And, right, and, exactly. Like, I've always said to you, my favorite version of her in WWE was when she was just, you know, kind of the baby face protecting the division against Shayna. And people said it was bland, and I get that, but, like, there's something to be said for just a baby face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't have to be, you know, a baby face that comes from this, you know, mythical land and has the fucking eye. Like, she's pretty likable. She gets over live because her shit looks so good. I'm not, does it limit her ceiling slightly? Probably. But like, you know, there's still more you can do it. But like, I don't think, at this point in her career, I don't think she's set to be the top baby face in AEW's women's division anyway, or top heel, right? Right. So it's like, you just get out of the way. Now, if she goes elsewhere, listen, all love to the women in Impact and whoever Ring of Honor is going to get back together. She's the ace in those divisions, right? If she goes there, like, that's. That goes about saying she's special, man. I mean, she can 
she would be on that top tier in AEW, right? In ring. Yeah. Like it would be her, Rosa, Sheeta, and probably Serena. Is that probably the Reho, maybe? Is that a good yeah, five? Yeah, Reho blogs in there too, yeah. Yeah. Like she's very, very special wrestler. This was a lot of fun. I think we're going to get a rematch in Warrior Wrestling at some point, unless they don't want to do it because of an AEW interference. I don't know. This feels very possible, honestly. Agreed. Um, yeah. And yeah. even, you know, even the. Not that they need to tie into whatever they do on the indies anyway, but, you know, they shook hands at the end and all that stuff. So it wouldn't even. Mm-hmm. Which that that was actually kind of interesting because, you know, she kind of turned heel in the match. Yeah. And then they just shook hands and were. <laughs> that, That's that why was, I got the sense that they would just just fucking rest. Like, it didn't yeah. feel like they had much of a. I saw some people on Twitter being like, she turned heel. And it's like, I think she was just just popping herself with that spot because she probably reads so much about her injury prone she is. Right. She's very sensitive about that, and rightly so, because one of the injuries that was reported was not an injury. It was a, a worked thing to extend her fuel vascular. So, like, her only real in- injury in WWE was the injury with the Achilles. Right. Which was, a, I mean, that's a serious injury, right? We know yeah. that. Like, I said, we know that like we've had it done. <laughs> yeah, but as sports fans, everyone knows the Achilles is like, she just looks, the biggest thing with her is, and I know we don't get too deep in mechanics because neither of us know shit, right, obviously, other than our NWA title runs. But the way she takes bumps, man, like, she's just so explosive, you know? Her shit has got a certain snap to it that always has stood out from years back, and she's kept it for it. Her pacing's different now because she's learned more. But, like, she'll take, like, a you know, like there was a, a, a missile drop kick at one point that Rose did, or it was a, you know, shotgun, whatever the fuck they call the Finn Balor drop kick, right? And yeah. Athena took this, like, big back bump, and it's like, that makes such a difference when it isn't someone just slowly falling down. Yep. <laughs> you know, it makes it look so much cooler. Yeah, it's... It was it was awesome. Absolutely loved it. Um, Chat Brian saying she's booked for Warrior Wrestling Twenty. Okay, well, it'll we'll be to... interesting to see who she wrestles. Yeah, um, you know, we'll, I'm not going to be watching that show by the means I watched this one because of the names that were mentioned earlier. Yeah, but you get what you get, I suppose. Okay, second favorite match of the night. I'm looking at. Oh, by the way, before we move on from the main event, speaking of like the NWA vibe it gave me, the fucking sell of that guillotine choke that Athena did where she went like full 1980s. Remember when she was doing the hand up and down? She got me with that shit, man. Like I was actually sitting on the edge of my seat. That was was magical shit. And the post-match too, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention. Thunder Rose's charisma and energy is just... She's awesome. She's so awesome, man. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> she's someone who I didn't really know about till yeah. can't say I mean because I knew she was the NWA women's champion before she showed up in AEW because right, you like, saw the early power stuff right so I, remember you I don't think the first... she was there when I was she on the first oh she may have came in like a couple weeks after you stopped yeah because I only watched the first couple before I gave up there you go yeah. um, she's incredible man yeah, she's the top like, baby face. Yeah, she's gonna. She should be the ace of that division. I think. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. It was. It was great. The uh, you mentioned the handshake. The kind of just the the gravity it all you know had appearing you know seemed to have afterwards with with Rosa's promo and Athena kind of thanking the people. It was just 
It was a nice piece of business, right? It felt good. As a fan, yeah. it was very, very nice. Um, I'm trying to think of what match I preferred here. Briscoe's work horseman or that speedball Santana match, which was, man, was that a statement on our guy Santana's behalf. Yeah. This, this start there, I'll be honest, I had some concerns that they were going to do like a PWG match, which would have been fine. It would have been fun. But like Santana's a big guy now. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't want to see them doing tumbles and all that good stuff. Santana just beat the shit out of him for like yeah. 10 minutes. He got a load of heat on him. <laughs> he was just fucking, his strikes looked great. He was like a big bully in control. And then when Speedball made his comeback, they went into like a really big finish and they felt like they earned it with the, with the first you know, half. Um, this match was awesome, man. This was, I mean, they went 17 and I probably, if you were doing it on like a major league paper, I'd probably shave it to like 14 maybe, tighten up his control segment a bit. But this was honestly better than I thought it would be, and I'm a big fan of Santana. What did you think, Sheep? I love this. This is the first time I've actually seen Speedball. There you go. Um, I enjoyed him. He's good. That tornado uh, kick he does is awesome. I've never, mm-hmm. I've never seen anyone do that before. I'm sure he's probably not the one who invented it or anything, but I can't remember ever seeing right. it. Um, Santana is in a fascinating position right now. Um <laughs> Because I think it's, we're all clamoring for Santana and Ortiz to become a big deal in AEW. And I'm starting to think that Santana wants to strike out on his own, which is going to be a fascinating thing to watch for the rest of this year. Now, the way AEW works, he could do both. You know, Santana and Ortiz could become tag team champions in AEW. And in the meantime, he can be having a singles run you know, on the independence. Um, yeah, this was great. Um, Santana might be one of the most underrated workers in the world right now, considering yeah. worker isn't even the right word, professional wrestler. Overall um, package, right? Yeah. Like the promos. Um, mm-hmm. It's got some was, size, right? I want to say this was the first extended singles match I've ever seen of him. I don't remember if he's had one in AEW. I could be how wrong. Long, how long did the match with Mox go? With the, you know, where they had the eye build? Because Mox got in Oh, back, that's right. right. Yeah. Other I don't than remember that, how I long. That, I forgot about that. I, um, I've been pretty consistent on this this idea that he could be a player as a singles. But this was even like kind of striking for me of like just how kind of special he is as an overall package, we were saying. He has this certain presence. And he has a toughness that, like, live crowds will always respect and get behind. He has some fire. His shit looks good. He's a great promo. And it's like you slowly kind of piece this together and you go, well, fuck, you know, there's, there's a guy here. I think it's hard in AEW to see it anytime soon because, like. Yeah, they've got so much depth. It's, they've just yeah. got too many guys that are there, right? But, man, he's certainly interesting. Um you mentioned Speedball. You know, he's a perfect fit for Impact's X Division, right? I don't, I don't say that as an insult, but like, that's a yeah. really nice spot for him. I'm glad he's on TV now. But uh, Santana was the takeaway for me. He's just – he's um, he's got this kind of raw energy, right? Like, you know how they started this match with the him kind of dismissing the handshake and getting into the strikes and stuff? Yeah. 
you watch the show shoot, and you'll know. That felt like it was from a different world to the stuff we'd seen beforehand, which was very like wrestlers having their match, right? He built a fight and he went there playing it, it. You felt it. It came, you know, it came through the screen. And that's where that Eddie Kingston comparison that Dukes mentions is very real. When he was in the Impact, Santana and Ortiz, like they would be doing the hokiest shit, but he would always be able to ground it as a real angle. You know, he would right. stand out. And that's, that's a special skill. He's very interesting. I agree with you completely. The fascinating thing for me with him specifically, and there's other people too, but is how Ring of Honor is going to work when they come back. Yeah, it's with a like, will a will Tony let them do Ring of Honor? Because um, it's on TV every week, I could easily see him not doing that. Um, but he would be an interesting candidate to be a top guy. Yeah, top guy in Ring of Honor. Well, still being, you know, he can still do Santana and Ortiz. Assuming he wants, I mean, I don't, I would assume he would, you know, he's not going to abandon. It's a lot of money, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's an, inter- he's in an interesting position. This is going to be a fascinating year of his career. I don't think there's any question about that because we don't, there's no guarantee the Santana Ortiz thing is actually going to happen. Like we feel somewhat confident that it's actually going to yeah. happen this time, but it may not. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But I do feel, I feel like, again, we're. I'm guessing here. We're guessing on this, but I feel like if it doesn't happen, he may not resign. <laughs> I, I would agree. Yeah. yeah. There's there's a lot of moving pieces there because, you know, I don't know what that would mean for Ortiz. Yeah. And I mean that with all love, but, like, it's hard, right? It's very difficult. Like, you'd have to find him another partner, I assume. I like so. his promo on... Oh, he's a hell of a talent, yeah. right? And it's important we, we have to keep making it clear we're talking about in AEW. Yeah. You know, this is not just any other wrestling roster. This is a roster where sometimes Shoot and I say we're not sure Garcia should be on the show so much. And Garcia's a fucking prodigy, right? Like, yeah. it's hard. The Ring of Honor thing, you know, Jay Show and I had some fun with it, but I was talking about it the other night, and it's just like, he. there's something that brings me there for him as a singles. Um I just think, and maybe it's the idea that he would be kind of continuing what, what a homicide did 15 years ago. You know, and I, you could do something with that in my head. But yeah, there's there's an awful lot of intrigue with Santana. I'm just glad that he's kind of back into the, the world of, you know, relevance. Because for a while there, they kind of, they're in the background, right? And it was yeah. it was frustrating as a fan. They feel certainly much more central now. So we'll see what happens. The Ring of Honor thing is fascinating too because... Yes. Not just for him, but like right. that could be such a tool for it AW. Should be, I think, frankly. yeah, I really do. Like that, they can do a lot with Ring of Honor. I it, that can be a very mutual, beneficial partnership. Um, and I'm not, I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be. You know, the worst case scenario is, you know, Ring. You got to tell Ring of Honor that you guys can't lose on TV. Um, right. But I don't see why that would be an issue either. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just, I'll be honest. And, and Jay Show and I are going to have a talk base tonight on the Monday Night Law program. But like, I think people underestimate the kind of card they could put together with some help. Yeah. For that first show. Because like, 
Okay, let's just talk about it for a second here. I mean, we, you know, we never stay on topic anyway, right? The main event's Bandito and Gresham, which is fine. Right? That's, a, that's a nice main event. It's nothing crazy, but it's a nice main event. I think there's a good chance it's Briscoe's versus FTR. Yeah, I think so too. If you imagine it's Deonna versus whichever of the big free agents they don't sign. <laughs> so yeah. Nixon, Tony, Mia, Athena, basically, right? If you look at guys like Anthony Henry, Fred Yehi, Buddy Matthews, and then you look at that free agent pool on the men's side and you say, well, AEW's not going to sign all of these guys. No, they you know, can't. It's, it, it's very difficult, and I know everyone thinks I'm going to be a bit, but like, sincerely, if Joey isn't an AEW guy, then there's a lot that makes sense of him being like a top, you know, like a executive, basically, for Ring of Honor, right? That seems yeah. like something that would naturally... And it's like, if you had those, you know, if you had those three title matches I just laid out, as well as Samoa Joe versus Fred Yehi, it's like, well, fuck. <laughs> you know? It sounds like like a like a promotion worth watching to me. Um, the partnership, man, I just think there's a lot you can do with that. So many I of your guys have history. Yeah. You know, and you can, like, imagine this as an example. Imagine if, you gave a guy like Lee Johnson the chance to go down there and be an upper mid card, you know, wrestler and actually like what how much better would he get wrestling a 25 minute match with Jonathan Gresham? Right. Right. Or maybe you wanted to give him a chance to do something different. You said, actually, go down there and work as a heel, you know. Maybe you send Julia with him and she she does, you know, she's she she works alongside him. Um there's some young guys in AEW that right now they can only do so much because the roster's so stacked. And in Ring of Honor, they could benefit and kind of get themselves almost that like kind of um, industry buzz, you know, where they, they kind of get that vibe too. It could help, I think. And there's stuff you can do with AEW that would, I mean, AEW doesn't need it, but like how cool would Daniel Garcia being the pure champion right. and having the belt on AEW and like, you know, acting like an elitist, mm-hmm. you know, pure champion. Yeah. Like, that's that'd be a great act for him. It, just, <clears throat> it gives them another string to their bow in negotiation, too. I mean, I think I think Danielson's going to want to wrestle Gresham at some point. Yeah. And, like, does it matter? No, but, like, it certainly is a nice thing to just kind of have that as an option for a guy like him. I don't know if... Punk didn't seem interested in doing New Japan, right? I yeah, I'm not sure Punk's gonna work anywhere but AEW, honestly. But would you agree that if he was to do anything, it would most likely be a final Ring of Honor match? I mean, yeah, it I seems unlikely, but I'd say it's more likely than if they were partners with Impact or MLW, right? Yeah, like Impact. It's just interesting. Yeah, like <laughs> what if? So, like, if you imagine a world in which in which Joe's the executive in Ring of Honor, and it's like, well, you know, we can do a piece, we can do a two week angle with Punk and Joe on our TV. It's good for us, right? It helps fucking Ring of Honor can push their honor club bullshit and say you can watch the old matches here. Like, I don't know, man. This it's just it's just interesting. I think you and I we're like both of us pop for the kind of sports franchise element of pro wrestling at times. And them doing a literal rebuild in which they just go back to like naught <laughs> and they're like, here yeah. we go, his start. It's interesting. It's just it's I've never cared about, I mean, and I'm not even doing a bit or being right. like dismissive. I've never cared about Ring of Honor before, but the, like seeing what they, I don't know if I'm going to watch it, but even right. just seeing what they do here is interesting. 
another guy that came to mind that I forgot to bring up, Timothy Thatcher is one that like he yeah. has to be working Ring of Honor, right? Yeah. So if you get fat, you maybe Biff. Like, and again, I know their budget's not going to be big, but they were paying like 40 guys full-time wages. If you're only booking show to show, it should you should be able to get some pretty good talent, right? I don't you know. Think, I, yeah. I just think people underestimate how good the free agent pool is, you know? I really Thatcher, don't like. Thatcher feels like a natural pro champion, doesn't he? Exactly, right? And it's just... He feels like someone you bring in to AEW on a one-off to work with Garcia. There you go. On like, like dark. Next... Give them like 12 minutes on at Universal. Mm-hmm. I'm not even yeah. a big Thatcher guy, but that would pop me. <laughs> that would be awesome, yeah. Now, Thatcher's, he's Ring of Honor feels like a... I mean, it's weird because obviously... In a lot of ways, he was a Ring of Honor guy that never worked there because he yeah. was working for Gabe on the other side. But whatever. Um, yeah, you know, this obviously New Japan's a huge, a huge thing. But it would definitely oh. be nice to have an American component of that system. I think. Okay, Joe, you're going to have to fly solo for a couple minutes here. Okay. Oh. <laughs> well, that was tremendous. Okay, I'm looking at the chat here. What is the next version of RH? I think it's an event-based um, product. I've said this before. If they want to do TV tapings, they have to be very careful with that because I think that's going to limit their exposure and, and ceiling massively. I think a product in which your hardcore fans, your Honor Club subscribers can watch live once, twice a month, in a, you know, events, and then that stuff gets distributed for TV. I think that's the way to go. There you go, exactly like that, like GCW. Um, you would probably start with one show a month and you would book based on location. And I think if you had a partnership with AEW where you basically said, we can give a guy like Lee Johnson, Brock Anderson, um, you know, names of that ill, even you are. We can give them certain positions that they can't quite get in AEW right now, which will help them as talents. In return, every few months, we would like a big name. And a big name is relative, right? It could be you get FTR for a date in, in North Carolina, or you get Eddie Kingston for a date in, in New York. That kind of, kind of um, back-and-forth scenario that I just think... I think there's something that, that can really be done with that brand that is a brand that for all of its flaws, I think has a lot more kind of cred than some of um, than some of the alternatives. And this part's interesting because they apparently the plan is no contracted talent anyway. So there you go. Um, do you think AEW would work with them? Sending workers to Indies is one thing, but when you when you guys talked about what you guys talk about doesn't seem to be what they do, seeing pet partnership. I don't know, right? It's just very, very difficult to kind of figure out what the uh, what the mindset is. I think when you have a roster as big as theirs, I think it could be a help. I really do. Um, I think a big part of it, to be totally honest, guys, is I think it depends who the front office is for the reimagined Ring of Honor. Um, if it's the same people, I don't think you're going to see a partnership. If it's a guy with some cachet, with some with some credibility that will, you know, kind of change the perception, I think you could see a partnership. Whether that be, you know, Joe, I just mentioned, whether it be Regal, whoever. And, that, you know, and that's unlikely, right? I don't, I don't think any of us expect Regal to be the head of Ring of Honor or anything like that. But it's just interesting. I think 
if they can make moves internally that show the wrestling world they're changing and they're in a different spot, I think it's interesting. But even beyond the AEW stuff, you guys, I just mentioned some of the names there. I think there's some serious talent out there. You know, we're all aware of Ring of Honor's limitations. I don't think any of us expect them to be doing, you know, 50,000 pay-per-view buys or even 10,000. But there's a place for them, I think. And um, it's up to them to do it, right? Plain and simple. They, they have a chance here. So it will certainly be interesting. Um, in Shoot's absence, I would wait. More, more questions from the chat. I do not want to move on here with our Riveting Warrior Wrestling Review. About my co-host. I know we joke and dunk on Gabe, but I would like to see someone other than Delirious in charge of the pen. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. I think when you're dealing with a niche product that has a niche audience and you're trying to kind of get back their attention, I personally think it would be a really smart thing to kind of make a, an announcement in that regard. Um, they've done that before. Famously, when you know they they would announce those changes pretty loudly, uh, including one time where famously, um, you know, Cornet the product was was being so critically panned and fans were getting so upset they announced Cornet had lost that position even though he hadn't right at one point. So they're definitely open to that kind of thing. Um, I think it'd be very smart to be talk, to be quite honest. Did you see the deal with Nick Wayne? I did. I've only seen like one match. Nick, so I can't, I can't really tell you how like fired up I am. People that I, you know, that know better seem to be very excited. So it's pretty cool, pretty unique deal. Um, it's pretty crazy to be honest <laughs> with you, but it's pretty awesome. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, not the best free agent signing of last week, but still pretty good, right? Monday night, uh, law is on tonight, folks. Jay Shell and I will be talking about this very Ring of Honor topic as well as some other things. Some AEW, I'm sure. We're also doing Fed Dead Redemption. Uh, Bobby and I. I'm sure Bob will be will be uh, previewing the Elimination Chamber. Which sorry to hear that. Um. Tomorrow, AEW Dark. Six oh five Brit time, one oh five Eastern time. Um. No, AEW Dark's the late show, sorry. T-Dub Tuesday, 6.05 Brit time, 1.05 Eastern time. And then at midnight Brit time, 7 p.m. Eastern time, AEW Dark. Watch along. Swerve and Derby, yeah, that's coming for sure. You see the Own, own Heart Cup update? Uh, I did. Late, right? They have like three weeks before Double or Nothing. That would be interesting. I'll let it play out. I'm really intrigued what that bracket looks like, I have to say. My God. TK, blazing a trail, brother. <laughs> My God. My glasses do the thing where they change. <laughs> that rules. <laughs> <laughs> I've never actually noticed it before because of this. I didn't know what it looked like. That's funny. There you go. If you were to do a five-match card for the RH show, what would you do? Gresh, Bandido, Dionna Trishadora, Briscoe's Work Horseman, Thatcher, Biv, my God. Yeah, that last trios match would be something, wouldn't it? Could you imagine? the? You'd have to get TK to really help you on that one budget-wise. Yeah, that would be good lord. Be fucking awesome. But, yeah, um, he brings up that match we're talking about now. 
I was I popped half through the match. I sent you. I was like, you haven't seen much of the Briscoes. I'm assuming, right? Because they've been no. in that one, dude. That match was so good, and it was again. It wasn't like they went like they did anything crazy. They just had such an. They just did their shit, right? It's just a good tag match. Really good match. Your fault, shoot. Yeah, I love this match. I mean, I'm big on Drake and Henry. Yeah, I have been for a while. Um, I saw them live a couple times. Uh, was that 2018, 2019, I guess? No, that um, makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was very happy. I haven't seen them work together in a while. Um, and yeah, I, I've seen the Briscoes before, but this was, it's been a while, and this was, uh, maybe the longer match, longest match I've seen of there because I haven't seen any other high profile stuff. Mm-hmm. I saw a match where they beat the shit out of each other in some, uh, backyard or something that i fucking hated <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this was a long this was like early in their careers i'm sure it's probably a famous match or something yeah, it is, yeah that's fine <laughs> i did not like it at all but uh <laughs> yeah this was great um again this is i told you this was gonna happen i really don't remember that much about it except that i really liked it um, yeah yeah it was good i like that ringside spot they do the work horseman where they like you know, and they sit both guys down. Oh, yeah. And Henry does that insane, like, fucking, like running kick thing. <laughs> They've got a lot of cool double team stuff. Some of the stuff I haven't really seen before. I mean, there is a perfect example of what we were just talking about, about the working partnership that we kind of, like, wouldn't it be nice for AEW to have a company like Ring of Honor that just said, you know, guys, you seem to like J.D. Drake, but there's, like, clearly not a TV role for him. You know, rather than letting him leave the whole tent, why don't we just have JD Drake for a while? You know, yeah. they feel like such a natural fit for that Ring of Honor revival. Because I mean, I see it like this was literally a Ring of Honor title match, right? They're just such a good team. Yeah, they should be. They should honestly be in AEW. I know they've they got should. a ton of teams, yeah. and but they're too good, and like, they're not a team that needs to be tag team champions or anything. Literally, they're they're workhorses. Like. Mm-hmm. Them against fucking Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus on Rampage for 12 minutes be fucking awesome. At least the parts Jungle Boy's in. Um, <laughs> there's all, like, they have so many teams. I, I want to see them wrestle almost everyone in that division. Yeah. I really hope. It, fe- it doesn't feel like that impossible. Like we've no, talked because, about this before, yeah. they clearly like Henry because every they've only brought him in twice, but both times they gave him a lot long showcase type matches. You know, Drake's already there, and they clearly whatever you think of the wingmen. I mean, they clearly like Drake. Like they don't, mm-hmm. he doesn't win, but they like him. Um, yeah, that Riley brings it up in the chat: Workhorseman versus FTR. That would be yeah. fucking awesome. That feels like that match is going to happen somewhere, probably in the Carolinas in the next couple months. And that'll mm-hmm. be a show Joe and I will have to purchase. <laughs> so to explain this, because I understand that it was um, in contrast to the profile I laid out a minute ago. I'm not saying they would send JD to develop. I'm saying it's like a partner where if you haven't got a spot for a guy, but you may eventually, you keep him fed and you keep him working in a ring of honor rather than letting him get signed by an impact wrestling, for example. Does that make sense? Like 
Ring of Honor isn't doing contracts, so basically you'd be saying, I don't need a heel team right now. You guys do. Yeah. You know, keep JD Drake good, getting team with Anthony Henry, and maybe in six months, if I have an injury or something happens over here, maybe a Santana Lee, whatever happens, then we'll talk about us bringing... That's, that's where the system's fluid, right? Like, you know, you can have guys... When you have 150 guys in your, like, orbit... It would be nice to be able to just say to some guys, we haven't got a spot right now that's featured and we don't want to beat you every time on dark, so go do this, right? And that's the that's the one thing. And I think even if they even without the Ring of Honor thing, right. a lot of people forget, not people not us, not people in the chat I'm saying, but like they're so used to how WWE works, where it's like, yeah, maybe maybe somebody's not really happy with how they're being used in AW, mm-hmm. but they can go wrestle every weekend still. Yeah. Um, so it's not as cut and dry as, as some of these other cases where it's like, if you're not getting on t- your TV and WWE, you're not working. Like you're not doing anything. You know, if you're not getting on TV and AW, I'm sure that's frustrating. I'm not, you know, arguing that it wouldn't be frustrating, but at the same time, you can go work every weekend and you're still getting a paycheck. So it's not necessarily as... It's also important to note with JD that, like, he isn't signed, right? As far as... Yeah, as far as we know. I mean, I tweeted about the... uh, What I just said about, like, they should run that back in Ring of Honor. And uh, Anthony Henry, like, retweeted it. And his Twitter was pretty much filled with people saying, like, bring them in here and there. So I don't think JD's got, like... Yeah. Now, to quote Paulie dangerously when talking to a young Bud Matt, have you got anything keeping you here? Like, I don't, like <laughs> JD's, like, basically to him, AEW's another booking, right? Right. And he gets brought in per day to do a certain... So, like, it isn't... And again, I want to be very clear about this. As good as we agree he is, that's fine. We understand it. Like, yeah, you can't sign everyone, right? I think, you know, it's, it's a thing. They're keeping, you know, they're keeping his, his work up. It's just, I don't know. They're an interesting team because it feels like they could be tag champs somewhere. I've said this before. I think it's absolutely insane that JD isn't on NWA TV at least. He, he's such an obvious fit for that product, right? Yeah, that's that product is just not very good. So it is what it is. Well, you have to, we have to talk about this. Matt Cardona, brother. I'm happy for him. I mean... You know, the NWA championship is not what it used to be in any way, shape, or form. But it's still really cool. I mean, being the NWA champion, I'm sure it's still really cool to him. And yeah. and I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, I'm not excited about Nick Aldis versus Matt Cardona. Um, but he's a, Cardona's a really interesting... Let's talk about him. Because as far as mine for the business and quote-unquote getting it, as people like to say, knowing how to market himself, knowing how to promote himself, knowing how to keep himself relevant, he's in that top tier. Like, I don't... He has very few peers in that regard. I'm not... At the same time, I don't... I'm never really clamoring to like see the actual match. Yeah. Um, And he's not a bad worker. He's just. It's a little bit. 
I think it's too performative. And the reason I say that, and I don't mean this is a criticism because I watched the NWA product and it was not a surprise to me that he won the belt. It was obvious they needed to do that. He's been really good on their yeah, show. I, so, I thought he was going to win. Right. So I'm not like, this is not me being a dick, but his whole shtick right now is that he's a heel. And like him winning these belts and doing this stuff is mostly received like this. Man, big respect to Matt Cardona, right? Like, God bless him. He's out there fucking hustling. He's relevant. It's like, I mean, <laughs> well, that's cool for a while, but the charm of that isn't actually watching it, right? <laughs> like, right. And that, again, more people are likely to watch NWA now than before, so this isn't a critic. But what I'm saying is the whole bit almost at this point is us just like, not. and when I say us, I mean everyone talks about wrestling online, which is what the audience the NWA is going for. They haven't got a casual TV audience. Oh, yeah. Or a GCW. It's like... I just wish the actual heat was more like genuine. Like when I watched the GCW thing, it was like, well, it feels to me like they're just in on the bit and they're like, you know, having fun with it. Didn't really get in the vibe of any actual heat. Now, when he wrestled Gage, that was different. There was actually like a vibe to that. There was a certain, yeah, there was a certain danger to that. It wasn't there at Hammerstein. I know that much. Them dudes, that was like all wink, wink wrestling. And, um, I just think it's a little bit too kind of – it feels glossy. Like he's, he's doing it in a way of um, – and this isn't nothing wrong with this. I'm just speaking myself. I find it too on the nose. Does that make sense? I think – I don't think you're wrong, but I think that's more just a product of modern wrestling as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's really hard to keep any kind of real heat anymore because the fans at this point – um, I don't know. I guess knowledgeable is the right word. Um, that any kind of real heat is going to turn into them appreciating how the right. fact that you're getting the real heat, and so then it becomes wink, wink. That's just unfortunately that's just what wrestling is now. Is, I think um, any real heat is not sustainable because. The second you do anything good enough to get real heat, then the fans are going to start to appreciate it. I think there's no nice way to say this. It would not affect my enjoyment as much if there was stuff to enjoy beyond the heat. Yeah. His work is just fine, and that's fine. He's probably a very easy guy to wrestle, right? But, like, the whole bit to me is that he's, like, a great heel, and when that part doesn't really isn't really authentic in my mind, the art, the rest of it kind of falls apart. So I don't. He's actually a good promo on NWA TV. Yeah, he's a good promo. So like, I'm not saying he suck. Like, he clearly should be the NWA champ right now. <laughs> I just, I think there's a, there's a lot of people praising it that aren't actually ever going to watch it. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> Which is, I don't know. I like, and this is this is the key. Is like the Fubert Gage was actually good. I want to make it clear. But like, did you see some of the stuff him and Janela did? Like, it has kind of a charm, but then you see it, and it's like, there's no real energy to this, right? It's just the two thing guys where the, himself. Joey showed up at the uh, storage facility and they yeah. fought. That was like, yeah. I mean, it was so cute, weak, weak. but yeah, yeah but it was... it's just it's not my thing, right? Right. And like, there's an audience for it. It's not what I wanted it to be when I saw that initial reaction to him winning that belt. I was like, oh, my God, they could actually get – because it would still be inside baseball heat because the heat is we don't want this fucking guy around, right? Yeah. 
but I don't know. It's got two. It's got two kind of self-aggrandizing thing. I, I, I don't. It's. I mean, they're doing the angle I pitch though. I'm almost certain they're doing the Jeff Jarrett angle. Like I would bet yeah, very good money. Yeah, Like that kind of feels like a lock to me. Because yeah. where else are you going to go? I mean, I know everyone said about Darius Lockhart, including Jay Shell. So I agree. I love Darius Lockhart. He's going to be their junior champ, right? Which is peak NWA. But Ricky was their TV champ, right? Like we know, yeah. you know that's what they do. So I think it's going to be Jeff Jarrett, and I, I'll be honest with you. I think we're probably going to watch that. <laughs> I am I'm probably not, but you are. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're going to do a video package that gets you to watch that. It'll be in Memphis. Jeff will be like walking alongside, like you know, historic buildings, looking, you know, talking about history. See, I'm. I wouldn't be surprised if this happens. I think he's. Too, I think he's too online. I think he knows what the reaction to that would be. Um, I think that's why he feuded with only certain guys because he's very online and he knows the vibe. I agree with this. I do think. I think there's things he could Cardona could do in AEW in a limited right. basis. Um, like this would be fine. The way they used him when they used him real briefly was fine. Um, I think I would, I think Cody's pal who shows up every now and then will be a fine role for him. Um, yeah, definitely. Like when Cody needs a tag team partner, that's who he calls. Um, but I Certainly don't. They're not missing out. His biggest well, this potential. Was, there was no one there, was there? No, but online there was definitely. Yeah, well, yeah, that's. That was the most TNA vibe they've had on the debut, I think. You can tell online it was very much like people kind of like, really? <laughs> you know? That's what they're always, they They would do the same thing now. I think. Yes, but him coming in just as like a baby face, you know, he looked big, but that was about it, I think was key. Yeah. Um, his biggest potential in terms of money making is if that uh, fantastical, mythical third promotion comes to be. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because he'll be one of the first guys they sign, him and Chelsea, yeah. right? Like, and look, guys, I'll be honest. Those fight TV numbers that Jeff and Cardona probably looked at after that GCW show. You're crazy if you don't think someone like Jeff Jarrett's wheels get spinning when he sees that they popped the number for that. Because I think we can all agree that really that was more of an event. People wanted to see GCW at Hammerstein. I bought it for that reason. But Jeff Jarrett ain't going to be looking at that lens, bro. He's going to be saying, oh, what, that fucking show, we popped the number for them, right? <laughs> like, that's the most prep views they've ever done. So... The NWA are going to do Jeff and Cardona. I'm convinced of it. And, yeah, I think uh, you're right about that. That's going to be interesting in terms of business. Will that get ironic viewership or will that get actual intrigue? I don't think it will do much at all, if I'm being honest with you. Right. I could be wrong about that, but I don't I think it'll... Think, you know the 10 pounds of gold shit they did all those years ago? With yeah, it was gold. awesome. Do you not think you could tell a great story with Jeff? You could. Because he, like... Telling the story through the lens of like 30 years, more than 30 years ago. You know, he was just another great young wrestler, right? And he was he had this legacy, he was continuing, and so much has changed, and as much as he he's content with his career, like there's definitely a sense that in the last decade, especially, 
he kind of became like a punchline for a while there, right? And you know, you he could, had some um, demons. Like it, I don't know, there's a great story to tell, I think. So it would depend on what he's willing to do and how inside baseball you go with it. As far as and I don't even know how you word it or how you tell the story. Right. But the idea of him winning the NWA title when he's not the one <laughs> booking yeah. himself to win the NWA. Like, how do you tell that story? But you I think you do it make, as, like imply it. And I, I don't think you go with like, he's booking himself more that it's his promotion. So he had advantages like, and you could right. show him cheating to win and shit. Yeah. You know, like the idea that when he puts his head on the pillow at night, he kind of knows that a lot of those title wins weren't what they look on the record, right? Right. Like, and, you know, the idea that when he was the WCW champ, like, you don't even have to go inside baseball. It's just like people just dismiss that um, because of what the promotion was like and because people didn't think he belonged. I just think I – I would love to know what crowd that would draw in, like, actually in Memphis. It would, it would be fascinating to me if they would get real – like, people that actually were there yet in, you know, fucking 1988 <laughs> – seeing Jeff like it would interest me I don't know the whole the story the the funniest part of that story would be that like no one's going to care now either which is what makes it yeah. hilarious but get Lawler Lawler is a special guest referee there you go the one thing with that that we just pitched there that is important is Jeff is definitely connected with an audience on a deeper level with that podcast like this, I know it's not a lot of people. We're talking about the NWA, right? There's definitely a wider group of people now that like kind of want to like Jeff than ever before. <laughs> and him kind of opening up about like some of the his frustrations with the way people talk about him and some of the issues of his career and how the last decade's got like we all joke. It's like dude actually just lost the promotion he built and basically yeah. had to watch it just fucking like fall apart. Yeah. It's you know, and he's tried to rebuild and he's done this and he's done that and he just wants closure. And I think people love a comeback story, man. And I'm not saying it would do a big business, but for the NWA. Oh, for NWA level, yeah, probably. Right. You know, their last pay-per-view main event was Mike Knox and Trevor Murdoch, so. I don't know how much, I'd be I'd be interested to see how much buzz it got because I don't think it would get a ton. No, I don't either. I would be intrigued what kind of actual media and press you could get, especially if you got a Jerry involved, for example, actually in Memphis would, would be interesting. Mate. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be it. He would only be involved if it's in Memphis. Again, we don't, neither of us like him, but we're just being, we're looking at it from a business perspective. Yeah. It's just, it's just intriguing. Like, could you actually get local media to cover that as a big story? I don't know. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's Jeff Jarrett, right? Like the Jarrett family is, it's been a long time, though. <laughs> right. You said, and we all do this, but you know when you said, you know, the NWA title is not quite what it used to be. It's like, you have to really fucking investigate how far back we're going now because, brother, when was the last time that belt really mattered? You're looking at, you're nearly like 30 years. Yeah, it's been. <laughs> I mean, it's tough, right? It's difficult, but I just, I think sometimes we spend so much time talking about this talent and, and that TV deal and that promotion and this brand and all that good stuff. And it's like, at core, wrestling is about those stories, right? Telling right. stories, Oracle once said. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to you about this and I tweeted it. 
about the uh, my my mindset on the on the John Grisham Samoa Joe story I laid out to you. Remember this a few weeks ago I talked to you about after the show, and someone DM'd me after I tweeted him was like, "Man, that's just really good shit." Like, I don't know if I'd want to see the match, but like, it, you know, the story popped me, and it's like. I mean, that's really what this stuff's supposed to be. The idea would be that you would tell the story well enough they would convince you you want to see the match. Like, there really are only a few matches in the world, show that you could just post the graphic of and, like, a lot of people are interested. Right. Really, in the grand scheme of things, right? Yeah, there's hardly any, honestly, yeah. There's, it's a lost art. Like, we, we both agree that really we, the match is going to suck. Oh, yeah. I don't and really want to see the match at all. Most of my interest would probably be ironic. Yeah. But from a business point of view, we did just lay out a story that's kind of compelling, right? And, you know, there's, you can see what, what the appeal would be to that. It's just, I think that's what NWA needs to do. Tim Storm's story was was interesting. Yeah, and those videos actually popped me. And then we watched him wrestle and we said, well, you, know, you get what you get. But yeah. if we're working in a world where the NWA can't afford genuinely great talent or doesn't want to push a guy like Darius Lockhart because they think he'll be signed, then that's what you have to do. You have to be creative for the guys you can get, right? And it's, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be very, very interesting. I agree with Ant completely about Jackson Riker, Gunner. Uh, anyone that books him off that interview is... Oh, he'll be in Absolutely. I mean, and this doesn't make it right, but I, everyone will know what I'm saying when I mean it, what I mean when I say this. Especially considering he has no name value whatsoever. Yeah. He's just a fucking idiot, a piece of shit. And you're signing him for, or you're bringing him in for, right? It would be, it would almost be a statement on that front more than anything else at this point. So, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he shows up in NWA. I would, I wouldn't blame anyone for expecting it, honestly. Yeah. Um, Does Lawler still wrestle? Yes. Well, he gets in the ring. Yeah. He pins guys. I guess he's under contract to WWE, right? Yeah, but he can do certain stuff. He probably could do that. I just was like, I'm surprised that's not a story they've... Because he's never been in WA champion. <laughs> yeah, they might actually be, he might actually not be able to do it. Yeah, I would I would think he probably couldn't do that. This Tyrus thing is so brutal. Yep. But like, he's actually a mark for the fact that he wears the belt on Fox News. Yeah. That's what it actually is for. Which is, I mean... Filth. Very on brand for Bill Corgan, right? Yeah. Let's quickly settle back to Warrior Wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) Dante and Bandito had a nice match, right? Nothing crazy, but it was was a nice match. They just kind of did like a a kind of preview, sneak bit of what they could do on a bigger stage. Uh, It popped me that you were surprised at the finish. Yeah, I was all ready to do like linear Ring of Honor champion stuff, and then you told me you'd already been beat like a couple weeks ago, so. Well, because... Rightly so, everyone else in wrestling has decided that, you know, Gresham's the champ, man. What do you want from us? Like, well, I don't know why Ring of Honor is, like, pretending. Like, on their site now, they're like, who well, is the real champ? Like, it's like, what? Bandito never him? lost it, right? Yeah, but, like, you can't. When Ring of Honor ended final battle, they had, they said he couldn't wrestle, so therefore he stripped. We have a new Ring of Honor champ. And now they're like, there's a great debate, and who's the real champ? And it's like, what? You told us it was fucking Gresham. Every every other wrestling promotion is like, forget that shit. It's Gresham. Yeah. <laughs> Blake Christian beat Bandito at like GCW, man, in the middle of the card. It's. I'll be honest, and like Riley says he's a little let down. Like, yeah, Dante's got a long way to go, guys. 
a long, yeah. long way ago. Like he's spectacular. He's a tag team wrestler right now, which is fine. Um, he's, you know, like some of his kind of transitions and his placement and his punches, he still gets work on them. You know, he's young, right? <laughs> like, I think any kind of match, singles match length, I honestly think kind of stretches his shit kind of thin. But he's like 21. He'll figure it out. Sure, am I being unfair? What do you think? No, I think you're right. I think before Darius got hurt, Darius was yeah. considered the better one of the two. Dante's flashier. Um, again, like, I don't know why we even, but like, you know, we're not attacking the guy. He's just, a kid. You know, yeah. <laughs> he's very young. Um, I think they they heated him up. And it was, they probably were right to pull it back some. There's not, right. I, I think Hobbs should beat him, honestly. Um, I understand the desire to want to see him in a ladder match. I get that completely. And it'll pop me if he is, but I think Hobbs should beat him. Yeah, I would agree. Because it's like Hobbs is Hobbs is a guy you need to get pushing here in this next year. Dante's a guy that's a singles. You're probably not going to push for the next four years. Like yeah, he's gonna be a tag you're, team. Yeah, right. you're gonna go back to the tag team here soon. Um I, I do have to uh circle back quickly. Because you text me about this and this popped me so much, bro. That ring announcer that did the Briscoes match. Oh yeah. That is one of the most incredible things I've seen in wrestling sometime. Because, like, he just stood still in the center of the ring as the ring announcer does. But, like, the Briscoes ignored him and just, like, walked past him. So they were doing, like, the pre-match shit and getting in the work horseman's face. And he was just, like, screaming. Yep. How would you describe his performance on on this match? I mean, he did fine. But, like, man, it looked like he was trying so hard. Like, it looked like it was the most painful thing this man had ever done in his life. Um, but he did a good job. <laughs> His face and how focused he was. Yeah. Dead said. <laughs> that popped me tremendously. Okay, a couple other things. We're going to do this quick. You stop me if you have major disagreement. Okay, I'm going to... I'm just going to be... I'll be I'll be transparent. I'm wrong about the acclaimed. They're very good. Max they look like stars pre- here. They came across like stars, like actual television stars. They were over huge. Max's shit was great, especially against KC, who's so much smaller that he can kind of fling him around. Um, so, I'm still not rushing to see him as AEW tag champs, but they were very good here. Go ahead, shoot. Sorry. They're baby faces long term, right? Like that's the real issue. Is they're gonna they need to turn a baby? I mean, I'm not saying tomorrow, but yeah, that's when they really take off. Is when you turn a baby face. I would also like to say. And I'm going to be completely honest here. I don't know how actively problematic he's actually been. Because he just seems to me to be a bit of a meathead. But, like, Brian Cage is good, man. He's fine. Like He's fine. I don't know if I'd go as far as good, but he's fine. In the right setting, he never let them. Like, when he wrestled, you know, the kind of big bomb matches with Derby and Hangman, he was good. Yeah. People were way too dramatic about him. Like, seriously, it's a little much. It's a little fair. It's a little fetish the way people decided he's like fucking terrible. It's like I'm not a huge fan. I don't really think you'd push him on that particular roster, but like he's fine. He's you know he, the hanging he matches were good. He's okay. Let's put it this way. He's a better guy to push for the other national promotions than many of the guys they already push. Yeah, 
He's a better impact top guy than two of the guys that are in their last main event. And their world champion. I would say he's better than Moose based on the fact he is less problematic as far as I know. I would say they're pretty similar as wrestlers at this point. Fair. MLW, I'd oh, watch him and champion. Him and Jacob Fatu would be awesome. Yeah. He's better than Hammerstone. I don't really I have any desire to ever see him again. But he's not terrible or anything. Like um He has go, moments you... where he looks really good. I mean Everyone was good in this match though. KC yeah. was uh KC's good. Casey's I don't good. know how he's, old he is. He's very small, which is yeah. fine. Because it worked in this match because they kicked the shit out of him, right? They got heat on him. But I like that match. I liked uh it was very indie. But the four-way was fun. I, you know, for what they yeah. were, they given to do. For what they went out there trying to do, they did what they, you know, they did. They worked hard. There you go. Um, Gringo Loco like actively pops me, and I think there's a world in which he's just his whole vibe actually gets over huge <laughs> on a big stage in a kind of ironic sense. But he does pop me. Um, yeah, this so. was the greatest moment of all time. Wow. This is when I went from like. This is literally when I went from like burying you and asking you for my, to pay me twenty dollars. Yeah, I was never gonna do that. Oh, of course I know. To this show's good, show's saved. I think I sent in all caps. Yeah, it was very good. Um, Max rap came across a lot better in this saying than it does a lot of time on national TV. I thought. Um, Myron Reed, I like. Blake Christian is very good consistently. I don't know what you do with him on a big scale, but. He's definitely a guy you can rely on on this on this uh, on this sort of show. You know, he's a guy that can go to as like their top baby face consistently every month. He's an and impact, I think he right? I don't know. I haven't seen him, and I've been watching that show, so I don't know. Um, next division guy there. Who else was in this match? Oh, Alex Zane. He's fine. oh yeah. Everyone, honestly, I, this is not my sort of match. If you watch our content, you know, but I, they did the match well. Right, it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Um, Sky Blue and Miranda Alizé. I think Miranda's really got something. I've yeah. always been impressed by her. She's someone that was great for Ring of Honor when they did the Woman of Honor uh, revamp. I think hopefully she'll be there when they come back. Sky Blue, obviously, you know, has she's a little bit raw. She has her moments of good, has her moments of bad. But I thought they had a nice match. And at this point in the show, I thought, like, if you imagine it as, like, a, a plane, we didn't get off the ground until this one. Yeah. <laughs> Now, we didn't get too high, but this is the one that got us off the ground. I thought it was pretty nice. What did you think? I like Sky Blue. Um, this match showed why she doesn't get longer matches on AEW yet. Um, but the potential, she has a ton of potential. She's got a charisma about her. Um, she's a long-term piece. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, he's very, yeah, like she's very young, like Duke said. So, hell of a baby face, right? Yes, gets over easy as baby face. She's a long, she, she's a long term project. That's what she is. Um, which yeah. is fine because it's great though because she's got she's very popular in this area, Chicago area. Um, and she works a ton of indies. It's perfect. She'll get her mm -hmm. reps in, and eventually she'll get a much bigger role in AEW when she's ready for it. Dalton Castle, 
Warhols. Um, mm. If you don't want to comment, you don't have to. I thought this was quite bad. Dalton was... Um, this was a vintage former television star doing an indie shot performance. I love Dalton Castle, and I would love nothing more than for him to come to AW as a manager. And that's I'll leave it at that. Yeah, there's a, there's a review in there you can find. Yeah, <laughs> the last couple words will tell you something. Um, Sam Adonis and Lindsay Dorado did the count out finish. I don't know if that was a shoot finish or that was the plan. Um, in the most polite way possible, Sam Adonis is bad. He's one of the worst culprits for like running a spot face where he like does this and gets ready to take a hurricane runner or he'll like stand still and be like you ready to do this spot Lindsay and you know go up for it he's very bad at that yeah um Lindsay is fine I guess they did do some crazy shit he actually saved his life at one point where oh yeah alive and like nearly fucking spiked himself that was incredible strength from Lindsay Dorado on that one it was um first half of the show was Probably some of your, uh, if you're new to indie wrestling, probably it confirms some of your fears, I would say. Talking to the chat here, sure, I know you're not. Um, second half was more the all-star indie vibe that they're going for with Warrior Wrestling. Yeah. My tip would be, if someone sees this, if you're going to pay the money to book this talent that you booked in the second half, you can easily run a seven-match card, brothers. <laughs> yeah. Nine matches, this is a like three-and-a-half-hour-long show. Yeah, it was long. A seven-match card, you save on that bottom. This look, I'll just be transparent. You cut the first two matches. You open with the four-way. Then you do Sky Blue, Acclaimed, Speedball, Don A, Briscoes, Athena. It's a better show and you spent less money. I'm not trying, you know. And yeah. God bless Warhols. I don't think he sold many pay-per-views or tickets for this particular show. You know, <laughs> when you're spending on that top tier talent, it feels like you don't need nine matches. Shoot, is that fair? No, that's correct. So to answer this one, and again, we're only we don't know for sure, but there's a few things here. Number one, Ring of Honor waited too long to pull the trigger. I think that's correct, right, Joe? Mm-hmm. Um, and then his back is clearly. I mean, he wrestled this match in a back brace. He's been wrestling that for a while. It's a shame. He looks shot, to be honest. He yeah. doesn't. He looks. He just kind of. I'm looks serious though. I and I'm not like. I think there's money. Well, money's not the right term anymore. In there's a role, but there's a role for him as a manager in AEW. He'd be very good at that. I agree. It's just a shame because it's hard not to think of what could have been. Who would you pair him with? That's an interesting one to think because I don't have an answer to that either. <laughs> like I just went to the default role of he could be a mouthpiece, but who's he a good? Hmm. Because he's not going to be like a straight-laced businessman type manager. Like he's going to be over the top, and sometimes you give guys like that to the the most dry, straight-laced guys. Right, exactly. There. He's a pretty big guy, which yeah, eliminates. So you got to be careful stuff. there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Brian Cage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We have a lot of managers, right? It's difficult. Oh, him and Megan Bain, that's an interesting one. Oh, poor Megan's out. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, an interesting. interesting one. It'd be worth it. I mean, it's it's not like they're they're looking at their roster the same way lower managers, but it definitely would be something to consider. Yeah, know. it'd be cool. 
I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be cool. Right. Garcia in 2.0, I thought of, but I think Garcia's headed elsewhere. Yeah. I think he's headed to a more serious destination rather than, say, more goofy, right? And more wacky. I mean, 2.0 you know, would be tremendous, but, you know, it's tough. This, there's no point to doing this because they're not important enough, but can you imagine him with the wingmen? How that was where would that act be? That was where my mind first went. Yeah. yeah. And there is a world in which you could, like, oh. you could kind of – you could bear country. Yeah. Oh, that would pop me huge. I think he's taller than both of them, but that's fine. Um, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of dynamic. Because if you go with someone that fits his personality, it becomes redundant anyway. You want right. to go some, in a different direction, I think. Right. Um, yeah, no, I'm, there's a I'm just sitting here thinking about him with the wingmen and popping huge right now. Right. If you could have... Like... Is there another guy you could put in the wing, man? Maybe if you're subtracting someone that could go with JD and like raise their ceiling a little bit too. So they could be kind of like lower card stooges, but not to the degree they are now. And then if Dalton's their manager, because right, right now, I mean, two of the four guys are guys that I don't particularly want to see wrestle very long. That's fine. You said two of the four? Yeah. I'm forgetting who the fo- – oh, yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, I was, yeah. I was like, this doesn't seem to be a debate, but okay. No, it's not, but I couldn't remember. I was forgetting someone. Yeah. Yeah. And I love Pretty Peter, who's not one of those two, but, you know, you've beat him a lot. Oh, yeah. So it is what it is, right? So if you can, if you can add someone that fits the vibe and could go with JD and then you give them Dalton as a mouthpiece, they could be like a little bit higher on the depth chart. Not higher. God forbid, this right. the roster's too stacked. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I, these shows are fascinating because, like, I don't fully know why they exist, <laughs> and I mean that in the most polite way possible. Because I'm glad this show did exist because we enjoyed it. But like, they must have spent some pretty good money on this show. Shoot. I never, I, the finances of independent wrestling are impossible for me to understand. I've tried to like sit down and wrap my head around it, and like, I have no idea. Would you agree this? Even within that, this was an extreme example. There were guys booked on this show that are TV names that did not have one ticket or pay per view sale, and were added purely for depth, right? Yeah. The model generally is that you have your indie show, and then you'll like book a TV guy to you know pop the house or whatever. So have multiple TV people. Oh, God. Yeah. That's incredible. High school principal. My God. That's God, fascinating. This, this would pop me huge. We'd be the I'd be the only one, I guess Joe too. Um <laughs> just like Buddy Matthews and Dalton Castle together. I mean that'd be awesome. Yeah, wouldn't it? That's what they should do in Ring of Honor, brother. I like the now that you know I've seen him wrestle, but like there was a while there where I was like, man, the Fed bringing in Dalton Castle and putting him with Chad Gable. This has been a couple years ago. Like that would have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was definitely a window where Dalton seemed like he was going to make a lot of money. I don't. They know. have. They actually have similar backgrounds too. <laughs> like yeah. Dalton wasn't as oh, good, yeah. but. 
He no, yeah, that was a big part of his awesome. His style in ring was really fun because of that, right? Yeah, he would do all those cool suplexes. Um, this is fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, because that means he's like a he's not like a piece of shit, probably. Probably right. Yeah. Like he's, like when you imagine like indie promoter that's spending a lot of money, you assume it's not. You would not guess he's a high school principal, right? <laughs> You'd imagine it's someone a lot seedier than that. I wonder. I'd be. Yeah, I would love to. I, that stuff always fascinates me. Like, are they losing money? Are they breaking even? Um, How many pay per views do you think they sold? One fifty. Yeah, probably more, probably a little bit more than that, I would think. But I guess, I guess, I really have no idea. Because the, the thing you got to remember is, people are going to say that sounds crazy low. Like, there's no like casual audience for a show like this. Yeah. So true. everyone that buys it is probably talking about it online. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I think people will be shocked at how few people buy some of these shows. To be totally honest. Um. I mean, we've seen it with Impact at times, right? Where it's like, yeah, you know, Ring of Honor did a pay per view. No, NWA's last pay per view had like six hundred buyers, right? It's like <laughs> an end. I think it was saying like an NWA is on. They're doing like fifty thousand YouTube views a week. So a show like this, in our bubble, had some buzz, but like it didn't really have any buzz. Like right. there's no Reddit posts about it or anything. Like I'm telling you, man, it was. <laughs> it's people would be stunned at how few. People actually buy this stuff, unfortunately. As much as as good as it is for the industry, because I had a great time watching it. But yeah, it's a real thing. Let me try and find this NWA buy rate. Because it popped me. Jeff Jarrett and Cardone will do better. Yeah, they'll probably get about a thousand. There you go. So he said in Why they got Archer on the next one? Yes. Yes. Jonah too, so they really try and get our money. Empower did 3,500. And think about, relative to this, how many people were talking about Empower. Yeah. Sure, it's fine. Um, God bless anyone who did these one hours. not terrible for them, I guess. Right, what I'm saying is, is for them, that felt like a big show for them. People yeah. were actually talking about that one. So imagine what the norm is, right? Right. I mean, TNA used to be on Spike and would do like 8,000. Yeah. Which is still an incredible statistic to think about. 1.6 million television viewers, 8,000 pay-per-view buyers. That shit's hilarious. That's like one of the, you know, people talk about their rate, their, what they were doing on TV versus what AEW does now. And obviously it's different anyway, but like they never came close to what AEW does on pay-per-view. Have you seen what Jeff does now? Jeff Jarrett? No. He adds up three months and he goes, it's not too far away from what you see in AEW do now different model they only run one every three months so okay. he does you know when like angle first came in he worked joe and they did 60 they did like 40 the next and then you know another 40 or whatever and he's like 140 000. that right <laughs> comrades like yeah man that's how it works I mean, sure. Like we're we're assuming that if AEW run twelve pages a year, they would plummet to forty thousand buyers. But yeah, okay, which is definitely not what would happen. But right. come on, man, go off. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. It's just 
there's some piece of talent that went through there that they convinced the world weren't draws, and it's like, man, I don't know if that's how it works. I think there's evidence it was the other way around, but right. What do I know? Shoot, it's going to hurt a lot of wrestling observer Hall of Fame cases, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to be sitting here in in 2030. Dave Meltzer will be a full time member of the Late Night Green on the Ringer. There you go. He'll be a full time member on the Ringer, and I'll be. Saying, look, you can't blame Samoa Joe for the fact that his main event match with Magnus did 6,000 pay-per-view buyers. <laughs> 800-person house. It's not his fault, right? Okay, we're going to end on a, on a conversation here. Shoot. Ready for this? Assuming he is not politically blackballed, which is a big assumption at this point, is Samoa Joe going to make the WWE Hall of Fame? No. Interesting. That's not a shot at him either. I just how much of his case relies on how NXT is framed in history. That feels important, and that that's, yeah, that, that relates badly. Important. Um, yeah, I just don't. Before we go any further, we both agree and understand that there are guys in the Hall of Fame that did less than he did in his run. Right? We get. Oh that. yeah, we understand. We're not. We're one. It's not even. It's a hard conversation to have because it doesn't even... I mean, it's just whatever they decide to do. <laughs> it's exactly. literally like... Exactly. Um, I would... So here's... honest. My honest belief is like, if we were treating this like a real WWE Hall of Fame, no. he has no case whatsoever. No, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess there's always a chance that... I'll be honest, and you may think I'm... An idiot for this, but I actually agree with Bob's overall take of like, I actually don't mind that WWE's Hall of Fame is as weird as it is. Oh, yeah, I don't care because to me, it's like, I actually think there's a pop to guys just getting their moment, yeah. Like, you know, like in reality, they sh you know, a Hall of Fame should be very exclusive class, right? But like, there is something nice to those guys that just popped you, like, you know. Ron Simmons getting Ron Simmons is not a good example, but like when he when he had his speech, I remember thinking how fucking cool it was that like he got I, that moment. He he's probably not a good example. Like the Godfather, yeah. he's not an actual Hall of Famer, but fuck, I mean, he was there for like ten years, man. <laughs> the topic, it's this topic is very much one where I have no issue with either side. Because yes, like, I, agree. I agree with you completely. I don't have any issue with WWE Hall of Fame. I agree. It, it pops me to to see, you know, these guys come back and get their moment. Girls come back, get their moment. But mm -hmm. also, like, if I was creating an AEW Hall of Fame one day, I would absolutely make it like a real Hall of Fame. Yes, I agree. I, um, Stan Hansen is brought up by Riley. <clears throat> That's such a good example of what I was trying. The point I was like, that's why I can't resent it as much as some do, because that actively popped me when they had him there. Like, so that's why I'm, I'm with you. I don't mind either way. The other thing that's interesting going forward is, you know, it kind of was there for a while. Pretty much anyone that was there for a long time got their moment as long as they were on good terms with the company. Mm -hmm. Now everybody's there forever. And <laughs> so oh, it's like, there's a lot less people on good terms now, though. That's true. Yeah. There are obvious Hall of Famers like Christian, Matt Hardy, soon to be Jeff Hardy, Paul Wyatt, that are presumably off the board. And that's on their end. 
I'll get and if they w. stay on good terms with AEW and move to backstage roles, like a, if a Christian works there for, you know, and is an agent, does that mean he's off the board forever? I know that's a fact because that's the interesting thing too because like Christian's a weird example anyway because we know Vince is weird about him. Yes, of course. Um, but like just using him as an example, if they offered it to him, he would certainly accept it. And Tony would definitely let him go do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we know enough. I think we know enough about Tony Khan to know he would let him go do the Hall of Fame speech. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting one. Like, this is a huge one here, Jericho. Jericho's yeah. I think Jericho. He's got such pull. He'll do it. Yeah, he's the Jericho's the exception to all these rules because like, I don't think he's lying when he says he still talks to Vince. <laughs> like, yeah, he's he was a big deal there, man. Yeah. Like, as much as he could have been a bigger deal in many ways, he was like full on borderline officer by the end. He yeah, he's a fascinating guy because you could make the case that um, they never fully went in on him. Which is, but fair, yet, like Vince loves that dude. Like, yeah, he just, there's just... a ton of evidence that Vince loves him. That's how wrestling works, right? Yeah. He just had other priorities, and I think some of them we agree with, some we don't. I think right. Triple H's treatment compared to Jericho is bullshit, I think. But do I get why you prioritize Brock Lesnar over Chris Jericho? Yeah, I do. 100%. I understand, right? Um, I think it's, I think, I do think, again, I'm not even like, well, I guess that's not true. I like Jericho a lot. I think it's a shame Jericho was never. D- WWE champion as a babyface. I think that's a shame. I agree, I agree completely. Um, I don't know that it need to be a long run or a member, but like it's a shame it never happened. I want to quickly, because I alluded to it and it interests me about, about talking about Joe and Hall of Fame and NXT. The NXT part of that is so interesting. Yeah. Because that's the same thing for Finn. So let's just take a little moment here to imagine another world, right? Another timeline. AEW never comes to be. The Elite sign for WWE in January 2019. Eventually, maybe a few years down the line from here, Triple H takes over. And whether good or bad, he keeps that job. NXT is then established in history as a very important piece of WWE's like law, so to speak. Right? That's where the eventual big boss found his foot in as a boss. And a guy like Finn Balor, who was a huge international signing, is inevitably, because Triple H holds him in such high regard, will be more celebrated. A guy like Joe, who Triple H obviously loves, right? And he was the first um, big TV name that they signed. It has a different framing being an NXT champion then, right? Right. If in three years, the NXT title then goes to, you know, Tony D'Angelo and, you know, this guy and that guy, there's a good chance that in five years, the NXT golden era is like basically forgotten piece of WWE history. In fact, that feels like kind of a lock at this point. Uh, beyond obviously our nerd circles, right? Like, I mean, but they would, you know how WWE paints their own history books and, uh, sorry, writes their own history books and paints their own narratives. Like, if things go differently, that run of NXT becomes like a really important piece or it becomes where we're at now. It's interesting. So I think what's going to happen <clears throat> to that era of NXT um, mm-hmm. Is they're going to kind of pretend it didn't happen? Yeah, I agree. For a while, but then we're going to reach that point where it's going to flip, and then they're going to mythologize it. Um, and it'll like as as some of these uh, 
you know, guys like, which we're still a ways away, but still guys uh, start to wind down, especially on the women's side. You know, like when the four horsemen start, four horsewomen start to wind down. Um, that'll be interesting. Like this is what I'm saying. This is and mentions about yeah. him removing. Like if Triple H's place in that company doesn't change, it does feel like that whole thing is less celebrated than it would have been in an alternate timeline. You know, right? I just because, think they're gonna. They'll reach a point because this is how this company works. They're going to reach a point where they're going to see they're going to think there's money in the nostalgia of it. I agree, and yes. that's when they'll flip it and they'll start honoring it, which is going to be hilarious. Yeah, because that is going to be a big part. Like if you look at Shin, Finn, Joe, guys like that. Like if you if you actually do the third brand thing and just consider that to be part of WWE, they're definitely Hall of Famers. I think. Right. Like Finn the issue they do twice. run into is. The majority of them, not the majority, but a good chunk of them are in AW now. And Which that's probably going to keep time. happening. Yeah. <laughs> I think Owens is probably done enough on the main roster, but yeah. NXT Owens will get in the case. Hall of Fame, yeah. NXT helps his case like, like in a real Hall of Fame, right? So yeah. Finn's a huge one because Finn's basically been a mid-carder on the main roster. Finn's an interesting one too because... Still think he might leave. Hope so. Wonder when his contract's up. No one knows. Yeah. Very, very private guys, Finn. Doesn't seem, doesn't seem too interested in talking to wrestling reporters. <laughs> doesn't seem to be too interested to talk to anyone about wrestling, really, but let alone reporters. <laughs> the fact that you wanted to go to NXT UK is just fascinating. Yeah. He's... He wants to have his matches, man. He ain't. I, I don't want to say he ain't a mark for this shit because that sounds dismissive of the guys that care. But he ain't going to like phone it in when the bell rings. He cares about his performance, but he definitely is beyond like political maneuvering and shit. That's what he hates right. about the main roster. Like, he doesn't want to be going up with some writer talking to him about what he's angry. Like, get out of here. Like, if you listen seriously, <clears throat> Triple H has a lot of flaws, okay? Listen to the talent and the way they talk about him. That NXT operated like an old school wrestling promotion. Yeah. Rather than whatever they're doing up there. Like, and that's why, you know, there's a lot of rumors that, and I don't, someone will report it eventually. But like, there's some weird shit around that Joe deal, man. Because there's talk that he wouldn't wrestle for, for WWE, like the main roster. That's why they the, the release happened the first time was because he was like, I'll have a go work there or I'm good. And obviously he re-signed, he did like the, there's a lot of, you know, rumor and innuendo about the NXT stuff. Yeah. And I think you look at the timeline, I would say that there were some people in Stanford that were not particularly happy about Triple H doing that deal with Joe <laughs> immediately after they released him. <laughs> and I think Finn was in a similar position. He's not maybe quite as, you know... Um, He's probably more chill in the way he got his message across, but I think Finn was pretty cut and dry. Like, can you let me go back down there? Kevin Owens requested to go back down there at the same time. Yeah. All I'm saying is if one day Triple Paul wants to do his own thing, he's going to have a lot of supporters. That's what I'm getting at. I wish he would, honestly. Yeah. I think, I think, and again, I want to be very clear. I don't think he ever will. No. 
but it is pr- it is probably the number one most fascinating scenario possible yeah. in professional wrestling is Triple H leaving WWE and starting his own thing. That would be fascinating. And you know he would find money. Because the reason it's fascinating is because beyond just how intriguing a scenario it is, I think you and I both think there's a good chance we would like that show. Yeah, most likely. He's a really interesting wrestling mind because his taste isn't actually too distant from, from you know, his perceived taste isn't distant from mine in that, like, parts of NXT were just like a WCW tribute act. Mm-hmm. Like the branding, the war. I mean, people forget now how nuts it was they brought war games back, man. Yeah, Vince, Vince <laughs> refused to do it. He hates it. Yeah. It's like he definitely seems to enjoy that, you know, like they say in his office, he has the NWA title, the the ten pounds of gold title in like a frame. You know, obviously, if you watch the the Evolution Act, it's literally four horsemen cosplay. Like, yeah. he loves that that eighties Crockett, and I think it bleeds over into early nineties WCW. Like, he's you know, if we could get that as a league, a full time promotion, I think it would pop it would pop us tremendously. <laughs> he just leaves WWE and buys the NWA. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'm telling you, like, I, I really think one of my favorite what ifs to kick around is like if they actually did a deal with the NWA to do power on the network, does Triple yeah. H go and win the NWA title? I think there's a good chance he wins the NWA title. <laughs> because like if you're going to have it on your network, you want it to be a hot commodity, right? Yeah, but Triple H isn't going to wrestle in NXT because he knows that's like bad narrative, bad perception, all of the above. And also, I just don't think it would intrigue him. He wanted to be executive there. I don't think he'd ever. I don't think he's ever going to wrestle again. No, now he's he's health. Yeah. I think. But like, if you go back to October 2019, power is on the network, okay, and they want to get power over because it's brand new and so on and so forth. I think there is a genuine chance they would have shot an angle with Triple H going down to NWA power and they'd have had him as the NWA champion for like a couple months. And that is an incredible timeline for a range of reasons. I'm just sitting here in my head now running through the scenario where NWA is run by Triple H and Gabe and you're just popping huge. And I'm like... He would actually hire Gabe too. Yeah. It would be really good for Triple H if... You know, Gabe and Regal and them guys were out there and could be like kind of putting this stuff in place for him, right? Yeah. God, can you imagine if like yeah, Triple H, Regal, and Gabe all re- reunite um, under the NWA banner? Like, there's a mysterious money man that allows Gabe and Regal to buy the NWA, and like, there's all this kind of rumor and hinting at stuff, and then. No, Triple H does not like Freddie Prince Jr. Tope. That's a, we can't no. win that one. Yeah, they don't like um, each other. <laughs> um, you know, and all this stuff's going on, and it's like, man, this is a lot like those mid 2010s NXT. Maybe Regal was, was the one booking it all along, and then like 2030, when his million year contract ends, Triple Paul comes out on a motorbike, <laughs> says he's he bought the National Wrestling Alliance ten years earlier. And he doesn't. He hasn't like watched any wrestling in the last ten years because it's too painful. So he just inserts the 2010s NXT main event as <laughs> the NWA, like a true carny. Uh, Finn Balor's like fifty. He's got no abs, and he's doing his drop kick in the corner and shit. God bless. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'll be honest, I don't expect it, but it wouldn't actually surprise me if Triple H did some weird shit in this next few years. Like, they've kind of taken the piss out of him, man. That shit with the exec, did you see the timeline on, like, Sean did an interview, and he goes, look, you know, a lot's changed, Triple H is at home, but it's still Triple H's guys running this show. Myself, Regal, named everyone, they fired every one of them the next week, man. Except Sean. Except Sean, and because Sean's more of a Vince guy than a Triple H guy. Yeah, you, I mean, supposedly Sean's like running the show down there now. But he made a point, Sean, of being like, all of Triple H's guys are here, and he fired every one of them but yeah. Sean. Regal is like, that's a direct shot, man. Yeah. Everyone loves Regal. There's no way, no matter what your revamp is, you can't find a place for Regal. Like, that's craziness. You know, and like... No, it definitely feels intentional. Yeah, because there was even talk of... <clears throat> when they did the first cuts, there was talk that, like, Thatcher and Joe were safe because they'd been transitioned to different roles and they both got fired in the next yeah. round. <laughs> yep. Direct shot, man. I'm telling you, like, again, I'm not expecting anything. I, I always said to you, I thought Triple H was going to retire pretty young anyway. Like, I always said that to you, right? And people told me I was wrong because he loves wrestling. Um, But... It wouldn't shock me. My assumption is he'll just sit home and, and kind of have fun with the idea that they've... Because believe it or not, beyond a certain section of Twitter, most people seem to view it as like a negative that they've fucked up. So Triple H can take some pleasure in that at least and be like, well, you get what you get, I suppose. Right. He's got his kids to raise. I'm sure he's not. Yeah. He's fine. I had never once believed he was going to go full Vince, man. Vince is yeah. nuts. He's in his 70s, like... I always kind of got the sense Triple H would bow out earlier than people thought, but it's incredibly interesting. If you go back to like 2016 WrestleMania weekend when they had that great Dallas show with Shin and it was Shin's debut, FTR had a great match with American Alpha and uh, WrestleMania sucked, right? It was WrestleMania 32. And I just remember the diet, like the constant conversation was just like, God, can we just hurry up time and get to where he's running this place? That yeah. And like, People wouldn't laugh now because some of his booking frailties were exposed in the years after that, but that was the narrative. And anyone pretending yeah, otherwise is 100%. wrong. And obviously that's ironic in itself because Triple H main evented that WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the narrative, right? Yeah. And, you know, we're sitting here now, we're six years on. Well, the narrative yeah. even then is still that, like, he was good, but he can't be yeah. involved in his own stuff. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Which he's not the only one like that in history, by the way. There's a lot of them that were like that. Tremendous, or tremendous, not good bookers, but it, except for their own stuff because they were ridiculous. And as a booker, he was very meat and potatoes, right? He wasn't like, you know, he wasn't this great creator. He was just, quite frankly, shoot, he was very much like what we're seeing right now on Wednesdays. It was a guy who got out of the talent's way and let them be. Yeah. You know, the way he treated a Shinsuke on arrival was very much a sign of what was to come on AEW, right? Just take, just treating guys as they are. Yeah. They didn't use the same music. They made better music. But they let him basically just be Shinsuke now coming on TV. So, yeah, it's interesting. AEW really kind of is birthed out of NXT. Like, yeah. That's like I said, we've said, we've talked about this before. We have, right. It played such a big role in killing NXT because... NXT was the counterculture, you know, mm -hmm. uh, option to WWE where, you know, you still wanted like the 
it to look good and big shows, right? Yeah, it's still yeah. a big show. And AEW came in and it was the genuine version of that. And that was. I will say it's very different to AEW, but I actually think there's a lot of truth to this. Like, it depends on what, as an overall product, AEW can't compete with because AEW does so many more hours. But I will say that. As a one-hour wrestling show for about three years, NXT has one of the most watchable wrestling products you'll ever see. And when I see people tweet, there were some weeks where nothing happened. It's like that's part of the charm of it. Yeah. That isn't how AEW operates, and that's fine. That's part of why AEW pops us is they go at 100 miles an hour. But what was what I loved about NXT was that it did actually kind of feel like a love letter to wrestling from two decades prior. Yeah, it was, kind of, it was studio wrestling, but yeah. it was... A little bit glossier, and yeah, and that's was, what it was. I mean, it was these top guys. Here's my this is something I don't know if you agree with this, but and I know you're a bigger Cole fan now than you were then. I do think it was a more compelling TV show when the top guys had a genuine this isn't really fair, but when they had a genuine top guy kind of um feel, and what I mean by that is. To me, even though their matches wasn't as good, there was a certain aura and kind of credibility that came with a Finn, a Joe, a Shinsuke. And I know people dismiss some of their matches. I get I understand it. I do think it lost some of that when it felt more like the kind of main events that Ring of Honor and PWG had just been running. For me yeah. personally, it did. Like It did for a lot of people. Gargano and Cole had better matches star rating-wise. Mm-hmm. I understand that. I don't think they're as compelling as top guys, or at least then they weren't for me. As you know, a Shinsuke and whoever, and I, that's just me personally. But I know that's probably a little bit of an island. I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of in the middle on that. It's definitely it's not black and white. There's definitely yeah. times where I would say that was wrong, but I just the big ones for me. Honestly, the biggest one for me was was Gargano. Right, that's fair. They fucked that up and. They never recovered for me. I lost. I lost my investment in the promotion. You went like a. Your fandom went like a round longer than I did. Yeah, we were actually very close. But when they, uh, when they didn't pay off Andrade losing to Gargano and instead like did the extension where they did Black and then we'll get the belt on Champer and then it's like they should have just had. They should have just pulled Black up. Gargano beats Champer in New Orleans. The next takeover, Gargano finally beats Andrade. Yep. And then away you go. I think that was a mistake. I always have. And that was when they kind of lost me. I think there's real evidence that that why I said there was unfair to Johnny because I think his main event with Andrade is the best match that promotion may have ever done. So yep. that's, where, that's where it kind of, I, even myself, I was like, I'm not sure. The Gargano thing's weird though because he definitely got sucked into. Right, that's that where stuff. it's kind of. And he yeah. he started working a little bit different. Like some people will say that's not true, and I wholeheartedly disagree. That he started uh, working a little bit differently. My biggest NXT hot take that not that I've seen most NXT fans don't agree, but I've it's fine. I thought the undisputed era was a very, a very TNA angle. In the sense that I found the initial portion of it to be quite try hard of like faction. Like we we've kind oh, of yeah. we've kind of we've done yeah, this we've cycle enough times that, yeah. now. 
the people are bored of it. Let's just do a faction and like let's make the t-shirt. And they did these kind of shitty invasion angles that weren't really invasion angles. And I think that was saying for me that when they got a big push, you know, I, mean, I love Roddy and I think him and Kyle had great tag matches, but I just never, fa- I never really fully got into the Undisputed Era the way others did. Does that make sense? I just, for some people, they're their favorite faction ever. God bless. Yeah. I just, I wish I could see them that way. I just don't, unfortunately. It's a shame. Anyway, different stuff connects differently, I guess, right? Because I, I mean, I talked to Oracle about it. Oracle hated the top guy shit I literally just listed. So, yeah. Like, when uh, when Shim was wrestling Joe, that popped me huge, and he fucking hates those matches. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all relative and your perspective and stuff. But I don't know. I just remember being there for London and people being very excited for everyone but Blake and Murphy, and I was very mad. My, I think, still one of my favorite NXT matches ever is Rude and Atami. Because that match yeah. was like that was when nobody thought Atami had anything left. Um, and then that day, that match was fucking awesome, bro. Plus they did the spot I wanted them to do that. I like tweeted out and everyone was like, that was one of the rare times I actually got something right. What was the spot that he should hit the go to sleep and rude should fall out of the ring. The, Oh the yeah. In the bank spot. So, and, and, and I remember they fucking did it and like my mentions blew up immediately. <laughs> I'll be honest. I was very hesitant to list him. Because I know how divisive he is. But Rude is someone that I would list on that list I just said of the positive side. Yeah, he was good. I know his matches for some people didn't hit. Part of what I love about a guy like a Bobby Rude or a Shinsuke or a Samoa Joe or even a Finn. You know how I said that I felt like NXT was like old school wrestling? Bobby Rude could have been the world champion back in those in those times. And I know why people roll their eyes. I understand, I get it, but like, he was a good fucking old school heel champ, wasn't he? Like, I don't know. I just think this is like the most cliche dumb take ever, but there's just something to be said for a fucking heel that looks the way he did, coming out in a suit, talking shit. Like, when it just, when the other studios just come out in their fucking. (laughs) WWEshop.com shirts and stuff. And it's like, I don't know, man. It ain't the same for me, you know? Like, there was some glamour to, to a guy like that or guys that actually made some, drew some money across the... I mean, so... He wasn't even a big star, but he was a bigger name than those guys, right? This made me remember... Um, Tyler Breeze, man. Yeah, he was something. He was fucking awesome. He hates wrestling now, it seems. I know. It's a shame. I, mean, I don't really blame him. No, I don't. <laughs> well, yeah. Hates wrestling is probably not the right way to put it, but because he's running a school. I mean, no, I'm missing you. He just, yeah. he, you can tell he hasn't got, he's one of those guys that unfortunately they've kicked the shit out of his spirit. He doesn't seem to care anymore, right? Yep. He, and what's this, this is not a big deal. He's made good money. So God bless him. I'm not knocking the guy, but. It's a shame because I think we both agree he could like actually be kind of awesome. Like he he's could one that I've never, He's never gonna. That one will never make sense to me because he yeah. was like a ready-made main roster act, and he wasn't. We're not saying he should have been WWE champion or anything like that, but there's no reason that Tyler Breeze shouldn't be a multi-time Intercontinental champion. <laughs> like I thought that was his future. I was like, this guy's gonna. He'll win the Intercontinental and U.S. Champion a few times. Um, 
he'll have a nice long run, have good matches, and they just immediately gave up on him. How much of the current disdain for WWE can be rooted in each of us having our one or two guys that we were convinced wouldn't fail that failed? Yeah. I think it's a huge part. Andrade is my biggest one. Andrade, yeah, that one's... Him and Zelina, I was like, good lord, there's no way. Yep. I just mentioned him. I, I get why Bobby Roode wasn't the WWE champion, but to get as little as they did, they brought him up as a baby face. I... The biggest thing for me with WWE is that you cannot get invested in the talent. Yeah. And the flip side to that is the talent they do get behind, they tend to make them less likable. <laughs> and they feel... Like, I... And again, maybe this is my perception. But, like, as soon as they got behind Becky, like, for real, I immediately was less interested in her. Well, and that maybe that's my fault, not theirs. I don't even no, know. It's because but, they've trained you that they're the heel. Yeah. That's what it is. They've trained. Right. The, the main reason people boo Roman Reigns for all those years was because they had trained the audience that the promotion was the heel. So when it was so obvious they were behind the guy, inevitably yeah. you get that vibe of wanting to push up heel and, and you know, revolt against it. Right. And, you know, I, I think there's there was real reasons beyond that why people booed Roman Reigns and some of his struggles as a promo and the way they framed him as a babyface. We can talk about it until the cows come home, but at core there is an element where we are almost subconsciously trained to disagree with who they pick. That's the product they've, they've presented for the last 20 years. Um, you know, and I think that's a real thing. I think it's made worse by the fact they've had to actually like, they've had to give in a couple of times on a guy like Brian or Kofi, which creates this really weird dynamic where the audience sometimes wants to like bully them into place. I don't think they do anymore because I think the audience has stopped watching. Yeah, quite frankly, there's evidence to suggest that. If you watch a WWE show in Chicago now, it doesn't sound too much like the shows of yesteryear. That is where it is. Um, there's a reason guys like you and I don't watch anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it isn't just anecdotal. I can. There's a lot of people that just don't watch anymore. And um, yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I think there's a lot of problems that are actually deep rooted. And if you was if if they were bought by Disney tomorrow and they said we're going to simplify this system, you're the head booker. I actually think in terms of audience trust, you'd actually have to sit down and really piece together all of the tropes they've fallen in love with and go two years without doing any of them. Yep. They're at a point where they could book just about any match on their TV and the, the reaction is, oh, shit, they're going to do a DQ finish. That's toxic, man. That ain't good. You know, and... People can say, well, wrestling, you know, the audience that says that isn't the audience they're trying to get. And it's like, brother, this wrestling game's too niche for that at this point. Like you gotta you gotta really look at the product in a grand picture, you know? Remember? Well, of course you remember, but when they had Asuka and Nakamura win the Royal Rumble and then they both lost. Or I guess did Nakamura even lose? I think he just didn't win the title. No, he lost and then he, he did lost. the he did it after. Yeah, that yeah. was... Dude, this will be... And I 
this the chronicle thing they did on him at the time was only on YouTube, and I don't think it was like a widely watched thing. Right. But the week of Mania, they put out the uh, WWE Chronicle of Shinsuke Nakamura. It was the first one of those Chronicle shows they did. And this dude came off like the coolest motherfucker in the world. And like we, everyone was kind of assuming he was winning the title. Like, so I was ready. Like, I'm ready. They're going to crown him. And then he lost and turned heel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like, fuck. Like, what's the point? Why get invested? And I know the match was the match wasn't as great, you know, it was what it was, but like why didn't he win the belt? He's just they just completely like that's just peak everyone has to fit their cookie cut system. Like yeah. and mate, like look, Shin tries Harvey's English and sometimes he's so charismatic that he can pop you with saying he says. But imagine actually having him do fucking in ring promos. Yeah, you just don't have him do it, it's fine. Like of all the ways to get him over, that was the that was really the. And then there were people that would be like, "NXT should have prepared him for this." No, that's where it goes too far to me. Yeah, whether you like Shin's matches in NXT or not, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I actually thought most of them were very fucking good. Yeah. I think people got too married to what he didn't do from his New Japan work, and I've that's a conversation we had on Friday. I think people can get too stuck in what someone isn't doing anymore and just watch the match. Right, almost all of his matches got the only one of his NXT matches I didn't like was the last Rude match, which I thought was a was a drag. First Rude match I thought was great. I like the Joe matches, so on and so forth. So he has these matches. He has this great entrance. He has this insane charisma. But more than any of that, he's different to any top guy you've ever had, and I mean truly different. Right, like he's kind of he's like this. He has like fucking. Um, Freddie Mercury influences. Yep. He does like Michael Jackson shit. He has some kind of weird Anderson Silva, you know, taunting charisma. And he's like, yeah, we're going to just present him as like every other guy on our TV. Let's see if it works. And it's like, why? What is the desperation to find everyone's weaknesses? I don't understand why any wrestling promoter would do that. I d- you had a tweet. We'll, we'll wrap up here shortly, guys, because we've done two hours incredibly. I don't even know what we were doing. But you had a tweet. In around 20, it was around 2019. Okay, I remember this so vividly. Where you was like, Who in WWE is more over than you'd expect based on their ability to get guys over? So, for example, you phrased it better. Now, but my the example I would give is if you look at how like Paul Lee got Spike Dudley over, that's one where you go, God bless Spike, but Paul Lee is fucking good at what he does, right? He's he's actually yeah. you know exceeded his. Assume ceiling, and people were quote to it in this thing with names, and it was at that moment beyond any other that I realized how broke that system is. Like everyone is over either in spite of them or less than they could be. Yeah, exactly. It's just literally everyone. Like if you're in the chat right now, name a wrestler that's over in WWE. I don't write. I'm like even if you just do think about it, and you can come up with the reason why they should be more over. Like. The obvious one is their top guy is Roman Reigns. He could have been the top babyface seven years ago if they'd have done that correctly. Yep. The four horsewomen. Becky's a heel now. Charlotte's gone over so much she's under. No one cares about Charlotte. Sasha Banks don't even get a start. She could be a tr- crossover, you know, the rock of the women's division, and she's fucking just another woman on the roster. And they had to turn Bailey heel. Yeah, and then we kind of say, she's a great heel. I don't care. Yeah. You have to turn everyone, man. They turn Sammy. They turn Johnny. They turn Bailey. They turn everyone heel. 
Bailey in NXT. Oh my god, man, they blew it. Was one of the best in ring baby faces that I've seen in years. Like, just she got she got it more than I don't know, man. I can't like I'm not. She was my favorite wrestler in the world from probably not long after she lost that first title shot she got with Charlotte on uh, one of the very first takeovers. Um, Because I remember, I remember this. I don't remember what she said, but I remember this vividly. They did a post show, and Renee was at ringside doing interviews and Bailey came out like they had her do her in you know, she came out and did an interview about you know I tried I lost what and I was like this this girl's incredible like <laughs> she's gonna be a top baby face and then you know I know this isn't true for everyone but for me like she was the top star not Finn Balor I know that's not how everyone well, feels but that's how I felt yeah. and and I've seen, like, it's anecdotal, but, like, I went to that first, you know, the first NXT taping outside of Florida was in Columbus. And I went to that show. My wife was with me. She was one of maybe 20 women there. No kids. You know. And then we we come back, they come back, and at this point, Bailey's Bailey. And it's kids, it's women, it's family, like a totally different audience. Yeah. And then Bailey's gone, and it's back to, to yeah. all dudes. Like she was, just, she was something special, man. It's and just they blew pretty, it. You know, Riley mentions the kendo stick, and that's the you can only go that direction, right? Because that yeah. was honestly there were frailties before that, but that was like the end. And like. They didn't. Know of, they didn't protect her either. They put her in spots that she shouldn't have been in. What you mean? She shouldn't have been doing in-ring promos with Alexa, right? Bro, do you remember when I had Alexa do that? Pro- can you still hear me? By the way, yeah. My internet sounds bad again. I can hear bad. you, but yeah, you are kind of like freezing. But I can still hear you the whole time. All right, cool. Let me. We'll, we'll be wrapping up here. Yeah. Remember they had Alexa in a promo segment? Be like, have you ever even kissed a boy? Yeah. And she sold, like, oh, no, I've been owned. Brutal, man. Brutal. That feud, that feud. Imagine making that feud, like, infamous and terrible, you know? <laughs> Fucking so stupid, man. Great and that's the other face, thing, too. It's like people, deal. you'll see people online who'll be like, well, she was only for kids and it wouldn't have worked on the main bullshit, man. If you'd have booked that right, fuck off, man. She was... She was top tier baby face. Like, mm-hmm. like it's not the same. I'm. I mean, it's certainly not the same. But like the connection you see that Hangman has now, that's what she had. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. I don't know. I don't know how that. And in ring, she was like a Brit in the mid nineties. She's like ace. She was so. Oh, yeah, awesome. having great matches with Nia Jax and Carmella. Having good matches Eve with Marie. Eva Marie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, she was she was great. It was a special time, and it will always be in history. It will be both one of the great US runs, but also what could have been, huh? You know, this is peak WWF. By the time I stopped watching the Fed, I didn't even like her anymore. Yep. 
think most of us are at that point with Bailey especially. All right, folks, before my internet blows up, I think we're, we're about done, right? Shoot, we reviewed Warrior Wrestling at some point here. Yeah, we went two hours for some reason, as is tradition. Yeah. Anything to promote? Confirmed shoot? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Confirmed Shoot, where you, I'll probably be depressed for another few days. Um, this was actually nice. This is probably a good idea. Um, but yeah, man. I got kicked in the dick yesterday, so it's going to be a few days before I'm yeah. I'm back to normal completely. Um, I didn't even fully think they were going to win, but the way they lost, yeah. yeah. But you know, by Friday or so, I'll be back to this was an all time great season and and incredible memories. But for now, yeah. Did he actually get over forty point five yards? Tope suicide. I didn't even know. That's good because I was worried about that for a while. I told him to bet on Tyler. <laughs> and I was, got to like the third quarter. I was like, he hasn't done shit, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Okay, folks. Um, we we will not expect the confirmed shoot to make an appearance beyond this. I think for until obviously I'm in dark right until the grin, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll be on the grin along tomorrow. I'll be a couple minutes late because I work till seven p.m. Yeah. And then I'll be on the grin. I probably won't do anything between then. All right. Guys, I'll be back, hopefully with better internet, in about three hours with Bob on Fed Dead Redemption. Then, after that, another couple of hours, it'll be it'll be Monday Night Law with Jay Shell. We're going to talk about Ring of Honor some. Uh, I'm sure some other bullshit will come up. They're both on the, on the free channel. We will speak then. Um, thank you for the show, Warrior Wrestling. We definitely reviewed here. That was very good. I hope, the, I hope the money was found in a responsible fashion. Speak soon, all hell. Keep grinning. <laughs>